Welcome and thanks for listening to the sermon podcast from First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu. Today is Senior Sunday when we celebrate our graduating high school seniors. First Pres Senior Pastor Dan Chun has a message for them and the rest of us on what is important when it comes to choosing the people in your life. How do we measure people? So as this is uh, Senior Sunday, when we honor the seniors of our high school ministry, it just turns out that in our lectionary, uh, which is a schedule of Bible passages that many of the Christian churches, both Protestant and Catholic, are following all around the world in their worship services. And we come to this very famous passage of how God chooses a shepherd boy, a teenager, to be the next king of Israel to replace King Saul who has not been a good king. So talk about graduation Sunday. (laughs) If you don't mind, if you're able, please stand as I read from the word of God. 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 34, and here's what it says. Samuel went to Ramah, and Saul went up to his house in Gibeah of Saul. And Samuel did not see Saul again until the day of his death. But Samuel grieved over Saul, and the Lord was sorry that he had made Saul king over Israel. The Lord said to Samuel, how long will you grieve over Saul? I have rejected him from being king over Israel. Fill your horn with oil and set out. I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I provided for myself a king among his sons. And Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears of it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, take a heifer with you. And say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I'll show you what you shall do. And you shall anoint for me the one whom I name to you. So Samuel did what the Lord commanded and came to Bethlehem. The elders of the city came to him to meet him trembling and said, Do you come peaceably? He said, Peaceably. I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he sanctified Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. And when they came, he looked on Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed is now before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord does not see as mortals see. They look on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. He said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shema pass by. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen any of these. Samuel said to Jesse, are all your sons here? And he said, oh, there remains yet the youngest, but he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring him, for we will not sit down until he comes here. He sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. And the Lord said, rise and anoint him, for this is the one. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward. And Samuel then set out and went to Ramah. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. 
So, high school students, seniors especially, and everyone else, this sermon is for you. This is kind of like my commencement address that I was never asked to give. (laughs) The themes of this passage deal with issues that have been around us since school days and still carry on as adults, and about who gets chosen and why, and it's about the character of the heart. What is interesting about this is that this is how God chooses people and how it is so different than how the world chooses. In this true story, God sends the prophet Samuel to Bethlehem to choose a new king. God told him to go to the house of Jesse. And when a prophet arrives in town, it is big news. Actually, frightening news. Prophets like Ezekiel can call down fire from heaven. And that is why when Samuel arrives, the town leaders are trembling with worried looks on their faces and ask him, do you come peacefully? And he says, yeah, no worry, no worry. I'm just going to do a sacrifice, but make sure Jesse's family is there. Jesse had eight sons, and under the guise of a sacrifice to God, Samuel the prophet has Jesse's sons line up. Which one is the Lord's choice for the new king? First one up is Eliab, the oldest, tall, good-looking. And Samuel says, surely the Lord's anointed is now before the Lord. And the Lord reads his thoughts and says to Jesse, hey, don't look on his appearance or on the height of his stature because I have rejected him. For the Lord does not see as humans do. They look on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. And if there was a soundtrack, the orchestra would go, dun-dun, because that's the big phrase. The Lord looks on the heart and not on the appearance of people. So students and adults, I know that in school, that often the most popular people on campus were the biggest or the prettiest or the most handsome. I mean, being tall, dark, and handsome has been a burden all my life. (laughs) Just kidding. I don't know why you're laughing back there. Often people are favored um, for their appearance. And much about life right now in dating is who's the cutest, right? And it's all about swipe left or swipe right on the app to find out who is worth dating based on looks alone. The good looking normally get to be the most popular. Take like Tom Cruise, knockout, handsome, a star, Once I was going to a theater to see a show called The Play That Goes Wrong. And outside the theater was a huge poster of Tom Cruise to persuade people that he was in the show. So cool. We bought tickets, but we went closer to the poster later. And this is the picture, but notice what is said on the bottom. It says, Tom Cruise will not be appearing at this performance. It was a joke. I relate to Tom Cruise. He's five foot seven and three quarters inches tall, just a little above me, but not quite as good looking. (laughs) But because he is that height in his films, Hollywood has him walk on higher platforms. So he is taller, especially if his co-star is a taller woman, because they believe that if you are the anointed one, you need to be tall and good looking like Eliab. Then there's Clint Eastwood one of my favorite directors and actors. He's a really tall dude. I mean, I once saw him in the bar he owns, 
Um, I wasn't in the bar drinking, but my friend told me, hey, that's Clint Eastwood's bar. So I walked in being adventurous, hoping that he would be there. And there he was. He is six foot four. He made my day. I felt lucky. So point one of this sermon is that God is always interested in character, much more than appearance. And it should be the same for you all. If you're going to pick someone to be a friend, to be your work colleague, to be a spouse, always, always, always go for character. God says the character of the heart is critically important for the big and small decisions. It's all about character. It's not about appearance. And we live in a world where so much is about the glitter, but it's not real. Image, smoke, and mirrors, touched up photos. Many of the commercials are not real. Pornography is not real. People who take ecstasy or marijuana to get through a party are trying to hide their real self and be someone else. And today, you students know that you can change your appearance to be skinnier or tanner or prettier, more handsome on TikTok or Instagram or Snapchat or Zoom. It's actually kind of scary how we can change our appearance to be something we are not. Appearance. Many people are not comfortable in their own skin. As you have heard me say before, we hear lying voices in our heads that say, you're not pretty enough, you're not handsome enough, you're not smart enough, you'll never amount to anything. Don't listen to those voices. Those are not the voice of Jesus. God created you beautiful as you are. Don't listen to the world where you need their product to be popular or more appealing. Work instead on your character and courage. Take that job that builds your character and courage. Jesus, who is perfect. Can I say that again? Jesus, who is perfect, the perfect human being who is fully human and yet fully divine, chose to come this, to this earth as a plain looking guy. Why? Because looks are not what counts. It's character. Did you know that Jesus, who is the real deal, the best real deal, the Bible says he was not good looking. Is that a shock? Here is how the Old Testament prophet Isaiah, in the 53rd chapter of a book he wrote, described what the coming Messiah Jesus would look like. Here's what it says in verse 1. Who has believed our message? To whom has the Lord revealed his powerful arm? My servant, meaning the Messiah to come, grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a root in dry ground. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract us to him. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows acquainted with the deepest grief. We turned our back on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we didn't care. Yet it was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sin. But he was pierced on a cross for our rebellion 
crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. Students, adults, listen to this. His strength, his courage, his willingness to be tortured had nothing to do with his looks, but his insides. His strength, his resilience, his fortitude came from within. It came from his godly character. You know, I remember when I was in seminary, uh, after I gave a sermon in my preaching class, the professor said, good content, good delivery. But if I had one thing to say, it would be your voice is too high. And I said, what do you mean? But then I realized there was a bias in my class for taller, bigger-bodied men who were big bass voice preachers. And I noticed that many of the student leadership positions went to people who were at least six feet to six feet four. That's why I hired Chris Pan, because I wanted a six-foot, one-inch executive director. He used to be that tall, but the burden of running this church made him an inch shorter, if you talk to him today. Actually, when I started this job 27 years ago, I was seven feet tall. But the burden and responsibility of this church made me shorter. I would dare say this whole emphasis on appearance in society bleeds into other areas like racism. Has been that way for centuries starting with bias against the Native Americans who lived in America first. In 1854, the Supreme Court ruled that Native Americans and Chinese and African Americans were not allowed to testify in any court, making it impossible to speak against injustice. There was the Chinese Exclusion Act of 1882, which blocked Chinese immigration for 10 years and blocked Chinese to be citizens. Samuel thought it was Eliab who should be the next king based on appearance, but it wasn't. And we have a history of not treating people well because they look and act differently than we. As a nation, we just remembered this month the 100-year anniversary of the 1922 Tulsa massacre in Oklahoma, where for the first time, Americans were bombed from an airplane. It wasn't Pearl Harbor that was the first bombing by airplane of Americans in the United States. It was in Tulsa in an affluent African-American district called Greenwood, where African-Americans were bombed by white Americans throwing down turpentine bombs from their private planes on African-Americans, in addition to using knives and guns to kill them due to a false rape charge against a teenager, a teenage African-American. Their town was burned, ravaged, up to 300 dead, and 10,000 African-Americans were left homeless, and there was, in today's money, $650 million worth of damage. Appearance became more evident during World War II when Japanese-Americans were put in concentration camps and their property and savings were taken from them because they looked different. Members from our own church were put in those camps. Though we were at war with Italy and Germany, Italian-Americans and German-Americans were not dealt harshly in the same way because those of Japanese ancestry did not have the same appearance as the majority of Americans. 
Yet many, like those of the 442nd Infantry Regiment, showed character, yes, character of the heart, and still fought for a country that wrecked and imprisoned their families. But racism goes all around. No one is excluded. Here in Hawaii, those who were non-white often bullied those who were Caucasian. Still do in some circumstances. I just talked to someone last week who was raised here on the windward side. He remembered as a youth when he, he who is part white and, and look, but looks fully white, went into a school bathroom and was picked on and urinated on by those who were non-white. Then when he would walk home, um, um, there was a corner where non-white girls would wait and try to hit him with kiavi branches, and he ran as fast as he could. And back then, the last day of school was called Kill Howley Day. Sinfully not good. And of course, here in Hawaii, the, the monarchy was overthrown due to military might, racism, economic economics and a belief in manifest destiny. There was a lack of character in taking over the land. And probably the greatest example of that was the Holocaust, where more than 6 million Jews were killed by the Nazis simply because they looked and acted differently. They were of a different ethnicity. No one race is more sinful than another. People bully others because of a lack of character. And you can't change whether you're a majority or a minority person. You can't change whether you're white or non-white. But you can, with God's grace, change your character. Did you notice Jesus was always kind to the Samaritans who were hated by the majority Jewish culture? And he used them in the Good Samaritan parable as the hero and not the enemy. So never look for friendships to be based on appearance, but always base their lives and yours on character. Be kind to all due to your character and not based on appearance. Remember in our story, after Eliab, Samuel looked at six more brothers to see who would be chosen as the next king. Wasn't any of them. God kept saying, nope, 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 six more times. How could that be? And then Samuel then asked Jesse the father, is there another son that's not here? Are you holding out on me? And Jesse said, oh, yeah, it's the youngest. You don't want him. He's like a teenager. He's but a youth. He's like 10 to 15 years of age. A middle schooler, maybe older, a teenager. He's out there watching sheep. We, we didn't think he would want the youngest. And Samuel said, get out of here. Like Steve Page would say in New Jersey, get out of here. You kidding me? You got one more? I told you to bring in all of your sons. Bring them in. And when David the youngest came in, God told Samuel, this is the one. And Samuel must have been shocked. This one, this scrawny kid who smells like sheep all day? Samuel then filled a, a ram's horn with oil and poured it all on David's head and anointed him to be the next king of Israel. And I'm sure his family looking at this said, no way. <laughs> Point one, God is always interested in character, much more than appearance. Point two, God chooses not as the world chooses. Throughout the Bible, 
People may not realize, realize this, but God does some pretty radical things in how he chooses people for special projects. For one, he turns upside down the concept of uh, primogeniture, which was very strong in the Middle Eastern culture and in other cultures even today. Primogeniture, in the ancient Jewish culture, it is that the oldest child is always favored. He's always the chosen one. He gets most of the inheritance. And the right of succession goes to the first child. And normally, it is the male, not the female child. Even in feudal times, most of the real estate went to the eldest. I mean, look at modern England, right? It's Prince Charles, not Princess Anne, who will be the next leading monarch. After him is the older son, Prince William, who will be the next king um, after his father, not the younger Prince Harry. But when you start reading the Bible, you then see that God changes the social structure. From the very beginning, it is the younger Abel who is spiritual, not the older Cain. It is the younger Isaac, not the older Ishmael. It is the younger Jacob, not the older Esau that is chosen. It's Moses, the stuttering younger brother, not Aaron, the older brother. And the second earthquake in the Bible that brings about, that God brings about, is the concept of gender. God always lifts up women in a culture where they are viewed as inferior, especially women in the Bible who are not especially pretty or fertile or deemed immoral. Mind-blowing. If you look at women chosen by God, God does not go for appearance. No, he chooses the barren Sarah, not Hagar. It's, uh, he chooses the cross-eyed Leah, not the pretty Rachel. It's Hannah, blessed by God, who was bullied by Pitaniah, who was mean and taunted by her. Now, everyone hear me clearly. That's not to say... Um, that it's fully opposite day, that if you are big and handsome like Eliab or pretty as a woman, you won't be blessed. Um, David was actually good looking. But I'm saying God is more interested in the character of, of the heart than appearance. And he often chooses the outsider, the outcast, to be the one closer to him. And yes, it's based on character and integrity he sees deep inside one. God chooses for direct ancestors to be in the family tree of none other than Jesus Christ. The shocking choices of Ruth, the pagan Moabite, because of her character. Rahab, the prostitute, who is also a Canaanite, who later shows tremendous faith, so much so that she's included in the list of heroes of faith in the Bible book called Hebrews a redeemed prostitute in the bloodline of Jesus. And when Jesus arrives in the New Testament, he does things you don't do in the ancient Jewish culture. He relates to women at a time the culture looked down on women. He protects an adulterous woman who is about to be stoned. He talks to a woman uh, at a well who is an outcast because she got divorced five times and is living with another who is not her husband. He allows women to sit near him to be um, discipled. He chooses a woman to be the first one in humankind to proclaim he is risen, even though society didn't think any woman could, any woman could be a witness in a trial. He lifts them up. In 1985, I'm glad the very first person our church ever ordained was a woman 
who is Alice Yoder's daughter, Marilyn Yoder Creel, who today is a senior pastor of Three Rivers Community Church in California. Jesus would say, you go, girl. So Keiki, youth and adults, if you feel you're an outsider, God is for you. Keep close to him. He is choosing you for a great future. And build your character. Have the radical character of Jesus. And part of your character is to, to always defend the outsider who might be bullied or looked down upon because of appearance or gender or gender orientation or race or because of economic status. Stand up for them. Protect them from the rocks of criticism or prejudice. And to follow Jesus means he will choose you to be a pioneer, a trailblazer, and you might need to risk. You younger people may not know this, but there was a time there were no female TV newscasters here in Hawaii. Back in the 1970s, when I was on KGB TV News, our hiring a woman named Linda Koble as our anchor woman was groundbreaking. In fact, when I was hired, I was the only non-white on-camera reporter um, at our station. Yet today, that's commonplace. KGMB uh, News Director Bob Seavey gave me a chance. When I worked at Menlo Church in California in the 80s, early 90s, I was the only non-white out of 51 on staff other than Felton, the janitor. And so senior pastor Walt Gerber took a chance on me and hired me. It was a different world back then, but somehow with influence, um, someone with influence had to speak up and say, this is not right, and things have to change. As theologian Tim Keller says, God always works with the girl nobody wants and the son who is forgotten. God is nurturing, growing, watering all of us of all ages. And if you think you are too immoral to be used, know that God is still calling us to him and wanting to work with us and do great things for God. Ezekiel, another prophet, spoke of us like growing plants that God has planted. And here is what he wrote in a book of the Bible in a, a wonderful way, poetic way. Ezekiel wrote this, thus says the Lord God, I myself will take a sprig from the lofty top of a cedar. I will set it out. I will break off a tender one from the topmost of its young twigs. I myself will plant it on a high and lofty mountain. On the mountain height of Israel, I will plant it in order that it may produce boughs and bear fruit and become a noble cedar. And under it, every kind of bird will live in the shade of its branches will nest winged creatures of every kind. All the trees of the field shall know that I am the Lord. I bring low the high tree. I make high the low tree. I dry up the green tree and make the dry tree flourish. I, the Lord, have spoken. I will accomplish it. Friends, that's a future and a hope for us all. And finally, I want to be completely honest about David, who was chosen by Samuel to be king. God did choose David because he was a man after God's own heart. He replaced Saul, who was not a good king. But character is always something we need to nurture. And if we get prideful, our character fades. And the Bible says um, God will oppose prideful people. God was not a good king, but King David, after many years of faithfulness, became worse than Saul, 
in some ways. He fell from character. He lied. He committed adultery. He committed murder. Fortunately, because of his character, he did repent before he died. You see, our only true hope is not in a human leader, but in God. And do you remember in our story, Samuel sees Eliab and asks God, is this the one? He was asking, is this the anointed one? Is he the one? And in the original Hebrew, the word for the anointed one was um, Mashiach. But when the Old Testament was translated into the ancient Greek in a document called the Septuagint, this word was translated into Greek as Christos, the Christ. Was the king of Israel to be like an anointed savior, a Mashiach, a Messiah, the Christ? Remember in our Bible passage, Samuel with Jesse's family was in the city of Bethlehem where the Messiah would one day be born. As it says in the Gospel of Luke, in the Christmas passage that we always read, for unto you is born this day in the city of David, a savior, which is Christ the Lord. You see, in this finale, it all comes together in a prophetic way. The one true savior is not a king, is not a person, but is Jesus Christ alone, the Lord. And we should only follow the real perfect anointed one who desires in his words to be our BFF, our best friend and Lord, Jesus Christ. He is the one who can guide us to build great character. He is the one who forgives us when we blow it. He is the one who can give us a mission and a passion for life like no other. He is the one who, like the hero protecting a child from a bully, took the blows that we might have life. He's the one who died for us on a cross. He's the one who tells us not to judge people by their appearance. Coming out of COVID, may we want to be more than anything else, a child, a youth, an adult who is a courageous person of character, formed and forgiven and guided by the Holy Spirit always living close to our true friend, Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And may we find the true Mashiach, the anointed one, the Christ in the Bethlehem of our hearts. For he is our only hope and the road to true character. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you've done so much for us. Forgive us when we forget how much you've done for us. Forgive us when we think more on appearance or maybe even prejudice than character. Lord, for some here, this is a new journey to get to know you. For some here, whether online or here in person, there may be a few who say, golly, if this is who you are, Lord, if this is the real Jesus, I want to follow you. And if, if there's anyone who's watching in live streaming or here in the sanctuary who might want to just take a, a short moment to say, I'd like to commit my life to you or even recommit because I've been away for a bit, rededicate my life. I pray that they'll just pray a simple prayer with me right now. 
that just says, sorry, thank you, and please. Lord, sorry that maybe I've ignored you for a while. Sorry that maybe I've gone through the motions. Sorry that I just didn't know. So please forgive me. And thank you for coming into my life right now. Please come in and Holy Spirit, fill my heart, my soul, my life. And if anyone here in the sanctuary perhaps just said that prayer of first-time commitment or rededication, I, with everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed, I, as your pastor and friend, um, if you could just raise your hand, and I'll just acknowledge it very quickly. And if you're online, there's a I commit my life to Jesus button. You can just hit that, and that would be great. Lord, you know our hearts. You know where we are in the journey. Thank you that you're such a loving God. Thank you that you always fight for the outsider. Thank you that you always fight for us. And may, may we always live with thankful hearts. So thank you. In Christ's name, amen. And again, if you may, those of you online, if you want to hit that button, about, I'd love to pray with somebody. Somebody will meet you online or you've committed your life to Christ. They'd love to confidentially meet with you. And now... We have a chance to really bring it home with this special song by Sophie as uh, we remember all that God done for us to, to create this world and create us. Well, you all can see why on Senior Sunday, it's a bittersweet time for us that we are so happy for our seniors, uh, all those who have been up here, as well as others who weren't able to make it. But it's also a sad time for us because we're going to be saying goodbye as uh, many of them are going to the mainland for education, but some are going on to other jobs or schooling here too. But uh, they do go with our blessing and we're very thrilled with our youth ministry here. Before I give the final blessing, I just want to say a couple things. Uh, one is that that uh, here in the sanctuary, if you do want prayer, we have our prayer team standing by. And so if you just go through that back door to my right, your left, and the prayer team will be there and will meet with you on an individual basis in a confidential manner and just lift up to the Lord whatever your concern might be, maybe for physical healing or maybe emotional or something, a spiritual issue. Um, and so, but for all of you, I have a blessing for you. So if you can stand, if you're able, and I will say a blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and his countenance be upon you. And may you know deep in your heart the wonderful love of God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And may you always have the character of God in your life from here on. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, in Christ's name. Amen. Until uh, we meet again, ahui ho and aloha. The measure of a person is not looks or popularity or wealth or anything visible or tangible. God measures character. If you missed any of today's sermon, or if you want to catch up on earlier sermons, you can find past sermons on our website, fpchawaii.org and thevinehawaii.org. You can also find this sermon on most major podcast services. 
In-person worship has resumed, but in limited capacity, and there are two live services at 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. If you'd like to participate, you'll need to sign up through the website on a weekly basis. Both services will be streamed live on the church websites. Once again, fpchawaii.org and thevinehawaii.org. Continue to check your email for links to sermons, church news and updates, daily devotionals, and registration for in-person worship. If you have any questions or needs, you can always reach the church through the website or just call 808-532-1111. For Pastor Dan Chun and the entire staff at First Prez, I'm Michael Shishido. Until next time, God bless you, stay safe, and thank you for listening. This sermon podcast is copyright 2021 and produced by the Media Ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu.